welcome back to the process podcast with me your host danielle copperman you can like press that point during the day if, if something's overwhelming or you feel a little bit stressed and you feel that you can't get everything done it's nice to just press that point there's also one in between these two bones um, in between the thumb and the forefinger that you can press and it's great for headaches or any kind of throbbing in the head um, and I think what's great about pressure points and needles is it just you clear your thoughts because you're so fo- focused on pressing the points and um, feeling the needles that the thoughts kind of just like you'll notice and just wither away. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Georgia Holt from Unfold Studio in London. Unfold is a holistic studio in East London offering a range of therapies, treatments and classes. I wanted to speak to Georgie about some of the services she offers her clients, from yin yoga and nutrition to acupressure and acupuncture. Georgie's story is super interesting. At the top of her career as a chef in New York and then travelling the world as a private chef, she reached complete burnout. And although she was brought up with many of these holistic remedies taught to her by her mother, she turned back to them at this point in her life more seriously than ever. Today, she teaches classes and treats private clients for a range of issues and ailments. I was particularly interested in Georgie's work with auricular acupuncture, working with the ear specifically. In this episode, she talks about how the ear is almost like a mini body in itself, with all of the bodies and organs energy channels replicated in the ear in one concentrated area. All forms of bodywork and energy work are fascinating to me. Ever since I trained in shiatsu and holistic massage a few years ago, I just think they're such an amazing way to look at the body and mental and physical health. Um, And I think there's so much we can heal through using the energy of the body and physically we can work with the body to reduce mental issues and mentally we can work with the body to reduce physical issues. I think these are such powerful practices and really enjoyed getting to know more about several techniques and how they can really contribute to common modern day symptoms. These treatments help to reduce stress, anxiety and depression almost instantly, amongst other more physical conditions too. And what I love about acupressure particularly is we can more or less treat ourselves on a basic level once we understand where a few acupressure areas are in the body. I personally use one for reducing headaches between my thumb and my forefinger. And in this episode, Georgie shares a few of her other favourite points, one specifically called the panic point, which can reduce anxiety quickly in overwhelming situations. We cover so much in this episode, including food, movement, understanding energy and energetics, and so much more. So I hope you find some useful information here, and I hope you leave feeling inspired and a little more familiar with some of the topics we cover. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Georgia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, Yeah, just a nice slow morning before speaking to you. Nice, whereabouts are you right now? I'm in my studio in Hackney Lick, um, where I do like yin yoga and acupuncture. Nice. Is it, are you closed today? Are you having people coming in still? Um, so I'm doing home visits predominantly right now. Yeah. I hope to have people back in the studio, like in the new year for sure. That's good. How have you found this whole year? Like not just with business, but like, how have you found it? 
I don't know, it's been a tricky one because we've had like our own personal development and then obviously seeing friends, family struggling, patients struggling. It's it's like, it's nice how we've all been so conscious of like being there for one another. So I think mm-hmm. that's been really beautiful this year is to see people like really come together and connect and through their work or whether that's like personally. And um, I've definitely, you know, I don't know, I found my craft this year, which I feel really grateful for. And I know like yeah. so many people have, have had like, redirection down a completely different path so I think as much as it's scary at times it's there's so much to be grateful for yeah I think I totally agree it's been such a like forced kind of journey inwards and like back to ourselves back to our like communities and just like the people in our lives and figuring out or just rediscovering like what's really important in life I think for a lot of people it's definitely been like a huge wake-up call (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're forever meant to, you know, remember what's important in life, but this has just like propelled that to just be at the forefront of our minds, which can be dangerous because that that means that people are always in their head. But um, yeah, also it's, it's been so positive, I think. Yeah, it's hard because it kind of forces you to deal with things you maybe usually suppress or you can just ignore with like keeping busy and doing like day to day things. But then it's also that discomfort is so needed sometimes in order to really like flip and just reframe and I think most of the time good things come from it so yeah we always as humans like obviously hate being in the discomfort and I think this year has been like okay we're just gonna propel you into it anyway yeah and some people have been you know not ready because it's, it's like uncertainty isn't it yeah that's the thing the uncertainty like live we're basically living in the unknown and we always try and avoid like the unknown because it creates like fear or doubt and I think what I've actually loved because I tried to do this consciously anyway before is that this has just allowed us to take it like one day at a time and not really like over plan things not kind of live too far in the future it's definitely made me feel more present even though the worry is almost more intense now because you really can't figure anything out or you can't see what's to come. But yeah, I think it's been really nice to get back to that, just kind of taking it one day at a time. Yeah, and there's there's also so much that's nice about not always having it figured out. And like, I think we've missed the fact that having uncertainty can also be really exciting. And, you know, I try to reframe it that way in my head, at least that, you know, there's so many things that are uncertain, but yet that's also exciting and leaves room for things like joy and yeah exactly so shall we start off by just talking about what you do do you just want to introduce yourself a little bit um so I have a little studio in London um I actually moved back from living in Miami for about a year and a half last November and so my aim was to build a studio that um encompasses all the still practices so by that I mean meditation legs up the wall yin yoga still postures that you hold for a long period of time with bolsters straps cushions all the yummy juicy things and then um on the side of that i actually trained as an acupuncturist um this year um and i love acupuncture and i'm so for all of its um, benefits and realigning energy channels and just grounding a person and so my studio yeah my studio is where i work out now and um treat clients uh, every month for things like anxiety, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and just day-to-day stresses um, in the physical body, and also pain, so chronic pain. 
neck pain, jaw pain, jaw clenching can range from, yeah, pain to anxiety, anything really. So my studio is called Studio Unfold and it encompasses all of those things. That's so cool. And how did you get into that? So you said you were living in Miami and I know that you were like living quite a high paced, high stress lifestyle before. How did you get like, what was your journey kind of from living in America and being a chef to where you are now? Yeah, so after I finished my degree, I was dying to like explore the US because my dad lived in San Francisco for 15 years. And I guess my excitement was always being able to go out there and do that and like do it, do it myself, do everything myself, just travel, sleep on people's couches, explore. Um, and I was a chef at the time, so I'd obviously, you know, I worked at East London Juice Co. in London, and I was working at a lot of vegan cafes, but then I went to the US, and all of these private chef roles were coming in for, like, athletes, yogis, uh, retreats in Joshua Tree, and um, it was really fast-paced. Like, it was kitchen work, so it was, like, 20 hours a day, barely having time to feed myself. Like, I'd probably have, like, a coffee in the morning, a smoothie, lunch, and then, like, nuts. It was honestly so intense. And um, I think we spoke about this the other day, the fact that, like, I was nourishing so many people on such a, like, fundamental level, but my body was hurting so much. And um, not just that, I think I realised that, you know, there was much more to my work than just cooking for people. Um, I'd always been fascinated by the physical body and that's why I started working for athletes. And I was fascinated by how we all store so much tension in our physical body. I kind of went from being a chef into into more of the work that I do now. Mm, that's so nice. Yeah, I think it's so interesting to touch on that about kind of when you're feeding your body with everything that's healthy and nutritious and potentially like you're working out and just doing all the right things but it's never just those two components that determines how well you feel. I think yeah for me it's definitely been so eye-opening in the last couple of years like just discovering I was the same I was eating like really healthy working out all the time and still feeling like severely stressed. I had like physical tension in my stomach and migraines and I was just like, I'm doing everything right. And I'm like working in wellness. What is wrong? And I really underestimated like the mind. I knew what mind body connection was, but I didn't really understand it, like how the two really work together. And I think that's where my fascination has grown into like energy healing, body work, mindfulness, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's what I'm really interested to talk to you about, actually, especially the acupressure. So do you want to talk a bit about that? So I know that you offer treatments to people for different things like stress, anxiety and pain. But how does it work? And if you could tell people, like if you could explain it to someone who's never heard of it, how would you explain it? Sure. Um, I'll talk a bit about acupressure and then uh, the needles themselves. Acupressure is basically without the needles. So you're, you're pushing down on certain meridian channels and points in the body that can be effective for a ameliorating pain but also most importantly putting someone that's in a really frantic place and really anxious and stressed and kind of fight or flight into a place of complete calm and it's super super powerful doing that so for someone that like for instance they're traveling somewhere they're on a plane and they have what they would call a panic attack so their heart is pulsating and you know they have a really shallow breath they get hot sweats you would say to that person, okay, I would like you to try pressing this point. Um, and there's tons of them that you can you can press. And basically what they do is they shut down the fight or flight response in the body. You're basically pressing a point that basically triggers them to turn on their um, parasympathetic 
nervous system as opposed to sympathetic. Basically, when you press certain points, so for example, there's one that's like three fingernails down from the wrist line, and that's called P6, and it's in between the two tendons here. And when you push down at that point, it basically calms down what you call in Chinese medicine the heart shen. So the heart shen is like someone who's very hyperactive and very kind of, you know, worried about life, worried about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. And by pressing down that point and breathing slowly, they start to relax the meridian channels and start to kind of send themselves into a much calmer state. And when you do that with needles, you're puncturing down two millimeters of the surface layer. So you're triggering a much deeper energetic channel within the body and meridian channel. The acupressure is super effective if say you can't have needles at some point and you want to, you know, self-soothe. Mm. And what, how would you explain an energy channel? It's obviously a channel in the body where energy is flowing, but how would you explain that better than me? Um, so there's also quite a magical part to acupuncture that can't be explained, I would say, because it, the needles work with the energetic environment that you're in. So they work with nature, they work with smell, they work with taste, and they work with yeah, energy. So it's an energetic field that it's kind of working with. But on a basic level, when you, when you trigger meridian channels within the body, meridian channels and energy centers basically are linked to certain organs so like the lung the spleen the stomach the heart and so on and so um, by triggering those channels you also trigger in the five element theory and emotion so if someone is say storing sadness or grief in the lungs you would more likely trigger acupressure and acupuncture points for the lung meridian channel and then that will free up space for them to process any sadness or grief they're going through. I've seen it work super effectively for any loss in the family or bereavement just in general. It's, um, it's magical the work that it does really. Oh, that's amazing. And can some of the things that you can do yourself at home, you can sort of see results or benefits within a few minutes, right? Yes, sure. Specifically in the work that I do with needles, so I work with auricular, which is the ear. When you're working with the body acupuncture, it's a lot slower, but the ear is a lot faster acting for things like um, chronic anxiety and chronic pain because it's manipulating the vagus nerve, which is, um, you can feel the pulse just outside your tragus, and that basically is what moves us between a parasympathetic and a sympathetic state. So there's, for instance, a panic point on the outer ear, which is actually a western point, that um, was, was created by the Chinese, you know, thousands of years ago. But um, it basically shuts someone down when they're in, like, they're at a state where they've, like, lost control of their mind and body is completely separate and they're in a hyper-stressed and panicked state. And it just, when you put that needle in, it just completely, you know, shuts someone's um, panic mode down and their central nervous system is much more relaxed. That's so cool. And just to give you an idea, um, the guy who invented auricular acupuncture, he did a test when 9-11 happened on some like post-traumatic stress patients from 9-11 because they were, you know, they'd lost people. It was like a hugely distressing time and he put like, he was basically trying to make auricular acupuncture more affordable for people. So he would do five patients in a room, um, all 9-11 sufferers or people who had lost people who had been in the attacks. And he was doing a protocol for post-traumatic stress disorder and the results were amazing. Like honestly, within like 10 minutes, these people who had like seen the most traumatic and the worst things, they just, they left being like the most calm and relaxed person. Um, and so it really wow. is, it's so effective for people that are hyper-stressed. 
And would you say, so did you say that the ears are connected to all of the energy channels and all of the organs? It's like a concentrated zone. Yeah, so when you're born, your kidneys are the first thing to kind of grow and your ears. And the ears mirror the kidneys. So um, it's opposite to the body. So your right ear is your yin side and your left ear is your yang. Um, In the body, your left side is your yang and your right side is your no your right side is your yang your left side is your yin um so it's like it's opposites um but the ears basically mirror different organs so your inner ear is the inner organs of the body this line across here is like the spine and then in the upper part you have the urethra and all the like genitals and sexual organs and then the lower part is basically like jaw neck um occipital nerve all of your like head stuff and so it basically mirrors an upside down fetus in basic terms. That's so interesting. It's just so intricate and clever how the body is designed. Like, wow, that's amazing. And who would you say would benefit most from auricular acupuncture? Um, so obviously whenever I, I mean, I get a lot of variations on, you know, symptoms and, and issues going on, but like whenever I intuitively think that auricular wouldn't be the best treatment, I always refer them to like a body acupuncturist like my mom or uh, someone who's more delved into that kind of um, fertility and digestive kind of um, body work. But auricular in particular is really good for nervous conditions. Um, I've seen it do amazing stuff for insomnia, hyper-stress state, hypertension, jaw clenching. I see, you know, I'd say probably like 70% of my clients um, is like jaw clenching and jaw pain. So they either like wear a mouth guard at night, you know, it's like in serious jaw clenching um, and then anxiety and manifestations of stress in the body basically. And how long is this session usually or how do you kind of, I assume it's very personalised to the person and what they're coming there for, but like roughly how long would it take? How would you tend to work out what each client would benefit most from? How do you kind of read someone? Um, so it is very intuitive, but on average it's 28 minutes that you leave the needles in and you put needles in on both sides. You can make adjustments around this. So say I have someone come to me who I believe to be very sensitive and in a very sensitive place where, you know, they can barely be near anyone, you know, everything is very triggering. Um, I will put usually five needles in both ears, but for that person I'd go down to like two or three. Um, and then leave them in maybe for a little bit less time like 15 to 20 minutes because I always say we're all entirely different and like every human is basically needing a different movement rate routine different diet like different amount of time having needles in their ears you know all of us take different pain thresholds and different kind of movements of energy in the body and obviously everyone's energy is also different some people are mega sensitive some people are not at all you know so I usually decide dependent on what the client presents with and, and the state they're in when they kind of come to see me. That's so cool and I think it's so interesting because every person can be completely different and that's what I love about kind of Chinese medicine is that it can be so personalized and everyone can I mean have like choices in what they need at different times of their lives and I think it would be interesting to hear from you, like some of your favorite Chinese medicine rituals or maybe for stress, let's start with stress 
specifically because that's something I think we all struggle with. Um, any like rituals that you think or you've learned that have been really helpful for you or that you're, you've recommended to clients? Mm. So um, I would probably say, I guess I kind of grew up with Chinese medicine because my mum started practicing when I was about five or six and so a lot of the stuff that she was learning she was like implementing into also mine and my sister's lives which was really beautiful and one of the biggest things she always used to say to us was like I know you love eating cold foods because I was massively into like I don't know I would love everything cold like cold drinks cold like smoothies juices and she would really try and get me to eat warm for breakfast lunch and dinner and by that I mean like bone broths, um, you know, seaweed bone broths, like noodle soups, dals, and like really kind of warming foods and lots of teas. And um, the reason she got us to do this was because she spoke a lot when I was little about this idea of like dampness in the body. Um, and yeah. I, I never really understood it until I actually started like practicing Chinese medicine where dampness is like the root of everything. So dampness is basically, it manifests in different ways. It can manifest in pain, it can manifest in cold hands, cold feet, uh, bad digestion, so stagnant digestion. And the Chinese basically say that the irony is that the heat in the body causes the dampness. So the things that you take externally that are heat, so alcohol, spicy foods, um, cold smoothies, ice drinks basically cause dampness but they refer to them as the heat causing dampness but whereas you want to cultivate warmth in the body and kind of fire in the digestive system and they they believe in small amounts of red meat um, they really believe in like the mushroom family, seaweed um, you know all of these like really digestive complementary foods and um, yeah I've really started to to, to abide by having, you know, majoritively warm foods ever since I was little. And I think it does help us to be in a less, like, airy and frantic state. Because I, I notice a lot of my clients, at least, the ones that have, like, a smoothie in the morning and then they have, like, a cold salad for lunch in, like, the height of winter. They're usually the more, like, anxious, a little bit, like, agitated ones. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. And then I would say just one more kind of, like, Chinese medicine ritual that I love is pressing points and, and giving myself acupuncture like it's a huge part of my life now and I love to, to put ear seeds in on my Shen Men point which is up the top of my ear just like it's basically in the um, upper curve of the ear and, and you can like press that point during the day if, if something's overwhelming or you feel a little bit stressed and you feel that like you can't get everything done it's nice to just press that point again that one I showed you on the wrist is nice there's also one in between these two bones, um, in between the thumb and the forefinger that you can press, and it's great for headaches or any kind of throbbing in the head. Um, and I think what's great about pressure points and needles is it just, you clear your thoughts because you're so focused on pressing the points and um, feeling the needles that the thoughts kind of just like, you'll notice and just wither away. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for it. And I feel like I still have a ton left to learn because it's such a big system of knowledge. Yeah, it's kind of like surrendering, isn't it? I guess like you don't have to figure out or think logically about a solution or how to change your thinking. It's like you can just surrender to working physically with the body and energetically and just kind of like trust that something's going to ease off or work itself It's out. interesting you say that because I think when I start to see acupuncture work for a person, 
is immediately as they begin to trust in energy and actually just let the needles do the work that they're doing instead of trying to control and and it's absolutely fine to try and control like that is the process but sometimes in the first two sessions you know they'll talk the whole time and there's lots of stuff coming up and they'll want to find answers to things and ask me but actually the magic of the needles is the fact that it's just giving you 28 minutes to like be in complete stillness and let something on a nature and energetic level do the work for you which is so beautiful yeah I felt that I've only had acupuncture once um but I remember just I think I'd had a little bit of like body work just before like in the session in the beginning and so I was in that like ability to just really surrender and let go but I remember this insane release in my chest like it was just like overwhelming physically but my mind wasn't thinking like what is that or trying to stop it or like judging it or trying to work it out it was just like my chest was like lifting and then I was like crying but not like emotionally it was more it was like you said very energetic and I think it's quite nice to not have to like you don't have that need to work it out and it's just how it feels that's a beautiful way of describing it because um I don't know this might sound quite extreme but I think sometimes you know people talk about ayahuasca and the medicines and the medicine family of like trying to release trauma or at least having a deeper experience um in life and and lots of people do it for creative things but I would say predominantly people take medicine to kind of figure out something emotionally or have an answer of some kind and um, you know lots of friends have said to me you know Georgie have you considered having ayahuasca would you consider taking that kind of medicine and it's an it's a normal thing to ask someone in the holistic pra- practices yeah. but I feel like acupuncture has genuinely given me that without having to do any of the like trying to find the answers it's like it's just it just realigns everything so that you're just so hyper aware. It's a beautiful practice that doesn't need any force or any kind of, you know, it's just something that's so easily incorporated into anyone's life. Yeah, I love that. I think it's definitely so nice just to, like so many things the body does we can't explain. And that's why I think with people who are like skeptical about things like this, it's like, we can't explain everything that the body does. It functions in its own way and, And I think that's what's so amazing about body work and energy healing and stuff, because you don't need to necessarily know. It's just feeling into it. And and that's how how it should be, really. You you get so much more aligned and and you feel so much more like kind of ease and bliss, I think. Yeah. And um, something I've noticed acupuncture at least does for people and for myself is it just makes that mind-body connection even deeper. Like, you think you have it when you move your body and you're connected to breath movement and, like, the joy of it. But when you have acupuncture, it's like suddenly your feet are connected to your hips, your hips are connected to your, like, shoulders, your heart is, is there and present and it's speaking to you and, like, there's just these real kind of connections happening. Mm. Yeah, and I think energy as a whole it's like obviously this huge topic you can hardly really explain but it's something that we're really not taught in school or like in any other part of our lives when I was learning nutrition and diet and fitness and stuff like that it wasn't something that was talked about and it still is very new I think it's such a new concept even though it's not new at all it's almost like this missing piece that no one talks about and it's like it just happens to be I think the most 
important piece because it's how everything is connected. And I think it's just so... It's funny you say that because when, when I was a chef, it, it kind of, I, th- I guess it frustrated me that there was never this energetic component to it. It was all kind of like, you pay for your meal, it, it has to taste good. Um, there's all of these materialistic elements that surround it. And then for me as a chef, I realized that so much of it was using my hands and using my hands to create and to like kind of input all of my energy into something so that someone could taste the good energy that I put in. And I guess, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that everything is energy is like the the food that we make, the energy that we intentionally put into it, the energy that we release when we're around another human being, like the energy that we wish for them to receive. And it's, it's constantly always ever present. And when you start to work with that, I feel like you tap into something that is just really healing and, and truthful. It's such an amazing way to go through life because like for me personally, it's how you go into a situation with another person. It's how you communicate. It's how you go into any kind of situation. If you've got a big meeting and you're like, oh, I'm so stressed. I, like there's this one guy who's going to be there and I know that he's going to be judging me. Like having these assumptions creates this emotion where you're going to show up like super small, low confidence worried to say the wrong thing and like not fully yourself and I think people will pick up on that and again in like relationships if you kind of make assumptions or have expectations that is energy being created by your thoughts and it affects the way you feel and how you show up in any situation and it's just I feel like it's affecting how your life unfolds every second of the day and it's fascinating it's almost a bit overwhelming but I think once you can understand it a little bit more yeah I would agree with you. I would I would agree that like I think part of what acupuncture actually is, is is getting someone to trust their own energy, if that makes sense, and then understanding that their energy is then in relation to other people's energy. And you see amazing things happen where someone leaves um, an acupuncture studio and they go out into the world and they feel so much more connected to other people's energy and everyone around them. And they're like, oh, it's not just me. There's like these other people as well. Like yeah that's so powerful to be able to see your energy in relation to other people's. Yeah, and I think it's something we all deep down, like as human beings, unlike an animal, yeah, we desire it, but on like an animalistic level, when we're not distracted by like work and just being busy and just modern life, we know like how to pick up on people's energy. It's like you have a gut feeling or you can tell if you walk into a room and there's like, tension between some people or you can just totally feel like the energy of things but I think so often it gets overlooked or just it doesn't play a big part in how we react and and interact in the world because we're just so busy and distracted on other things and I also really enjoyed learning more about illness and how the physical body is affected by energetics as well have you learned do you talk much about that with your clients yeah um it's more of a he- heavy topic of conversation, but I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm not lucky, but I say that I haven't really treated anyone with um, the worst of conditions of, like, cancer or a tumour or um, a disease of some kind on a, on a much more kind of deeper level. 
but um, for sure acupuncture, they've done so much research on it with cancer patients and how it can really remove so much heat and disease from the body on a basic level and it's so powerful in treating, you know, the much worse of diseases, it's a shame that it's not part of our Western like doctoral system and Western Western medicine because it, it really is so powerful at treating those. I would say that at least one thing that acupuncture has helped me to understand on a deeper level is that I guess in Chinese medicine they believe that disease is caused by the mind, so the disease is manifested by physical stress and emotional stress. And it highlights even more importantly how important it is to kind of have those really like beautiful conversations with yourself and others that have this emotional connection that is, you know, thriving and and, and that's so important because it affects all of our organs, you know. In Chinese medicine you talk about like when do we ever think about our liver and when do we ever think about our kidneys, our kidney band or when do we ever tune into like thinking about our heart, what it looks like, how it's beating or our lungs even, like when we're breathing, do we visualize the two lungs, the left lung and the right lung, like do we ever think about them? And mm. I think as much as it's like actually speaking and having a conversation with ourselves, it's like actually starting to visualize the internal organs and treating them in a way that like you would treat someone that you really, really love. It's like always having that really vibrant and fruitful conversation. I think, I think that really, you know, helps to help your body move out of a place of disease because diseases can can be big, they can be small, but it basically it's your body in disease, you know, so. Totally. Do you know um, any of the work from by Caroline Miss? Uh, no, can you remind me? So I can... She's, um, she's a healer, basically, but I'll, I'll put the book that I've read in the show notes because it's something that's like, just completely changed my life a few years ago and it's all about how disease manifests because of like emotional trauma or like emotional energetic disrupt basically but it talks in one of her books um she talks about like she has case studies of different people she's worked with and it could be something like someone who was completely heartbroken his wife was having an affair again and again like repetitively and he eventually manifests this like illness I think he gets cancer or a tumor or something, or maybe it's a heart attack or something. Um, but it's there's a lot of examples of how things like this have happened and how traumas in your life create this buildup of emotional response and like energy and how it often can lead to illness. And I definitely even even she talks about things that it's not necessarily an illness, but I kept getting really ill a few years ago, like with a sore throat and headache. And I did a little bit of research in what she talks about and how she explains different parts of the body and different feelings, because it's basically like she'll diagnose you on an emotional level rather than like, oh, you have a, a cold or a virus or something. And I remember finding an article and it was like, you're afraid to speak your truth, like your throat is constantly getting irritated because you're blocked there. Like, and I, I had seen a few other healers had told me that my chakra there was really blocked as well. And it all just kind of made so much sense to me. And as well as having like headaches and stuff like that, um, it was kind of co it correlated with being indecisive and not knowing like where I want to go and being like really kind of internally conflicted and it all just resonated with me at that time in my life so much so um I would definitely 
read the books that she's written and she's got some like courses online and stuff as well. There are a lot of books that you can touch upon in terms of looking at how um, different emotions are related to different energy blocks within different systems of the body. Uh, a great one is The Body Keeps the Score, I'm sure you've heard of that. Mm. Then there's also a great book um, called The Seven Emotions, um, and it's specifically Chinese medicine, and it runs through like anger, sadness, grief. Uh, laughter, joy, elation, excitedness, like there's like a ton of different things that it talks through and what's really interesting is it also talks about joy and how like even people with excessive joy and excessive excitement on a day-to-day can injure their heart Um, and so you know it goes through so many different um, parallels with the organs and the emotions and it's a great one. That's so interesting. Yeah it's a great one on like a basic level and it's not hard to read it's like it's quite small I love that one I can't wait to read that because I'm I don't really read like fiction um and like novels I'm always reading like stuff about (laughs) I'm trying to because my my really good friend Bertie is super into novels and fiction and she always says she's like you're so serious like you're always trying to help people do the work in their in their emotional life and like trying to learn all the things you can and obviously it's so important to as a practitioner but I think there is something about fiction that does bring you a little bit of like imagination and dream like. <sighs> totally. I had that this summer. I read like two novels that I'd seen recommended and it was such a nice decision because it's hard work to read these kind of books. I mean, even the Caroline Miss one, I haven't finished it and I started it like two or three years ago. Um, so it's like definitely really important. It's like watching really crappy tv that kind of gives you that escape from reality and lets you just switch off and I think it's so important to not always be working and like using that part of your mind even when you're reading it's almost like you're studying rather than like you said having a sense of imagination and like activating that more creative side of your brain I think it's really important yeah and I think it's always good to remember that like essentially even though you always want to do the work on yourself and you want to be a better person which is so beautiful and like you want to get your energy better it's like remembering that you always have a choice in what to do in your downtime so like you can't always be doing self-work so like what is your thing you do in your downtime do you read a fiction book or do you go and meet a friend for a hot chocolate like what you know it's, it's trying to remember that also as well as doing the self-work there's also like the joy element where you just kind of have to let it go <laughs> just definitely yeah we all need that like playfulness and like not focusing on anything it's like a form of meditation completely Um, I wanted to also talk a bit about your yin yoga and how you teach yin because that's something I also really love. I got into yoga a few years ago, um, but a lot of people are like, what is yin? What is the difference? There's so many types of yoga. and Honestly, it's like the biggest question I get asked on day to day. I think it's really hard because I feel like the yoga world has made so many definitions around yoga and what it is. And like, it's kind of scared people and made it like this practice where People can't like explore their body anymore. It's just like, oh, there's a sequence. Let me find a half an hour sequence online. Let me find an hour sequence online. Or let me find a teacher that I really, really connect with. Um, Like I have to find those three things, otherwise I can't do yoga. And it's like, yes, there's yin and restorative and they're slightly different, but the yin and restorative yoga is basically just being in a shape and being able to breathe in a shape. And I think that's one thing that like, 
has been so fundamental to the work I do is like if someone's super agitated I want them to try and feel safer in a shape and if I can put them in a shape where they maybe feel like a lot safer so I put you know a bolster underneath them and I support them and I put my hands against their shoulders and help to open their heart and I can make them feel a bit safer. When you're told to do yin yoga or you, you're told to do restorative when you're in a maybe hyper-stressed state where you've just gone through some trauma in your life, you've just gone through a loss and then someone tells you to go to try yoga and do it with this guy or this woman, this lady and you're completely scared of being in a room with like 20 other people this is when yin and restorative needs to be with a practitioner one-to-one -one because I see so much potential within that where someone is allowing you to rest in a posture and you have your own space to focus on your breathing and I think then you're able to go go home and do it on your own which is, is really powerful. And how would you explain it differently to like obviously now there's so many different types there's like there's like the Hatha and the Vinyasa, but there's now like the rocket yoga and like the dancing yoga. There's everything because it's become quite a fitness trend, I think. But how would you explain it? Because I know it's a little bit less active than... Yes. Okay. So I think what's really beautiful is my practice actually started in restorative yoga. Like my mum took me to a, a Buddhist temple in Balam, like when I was like 14, where we held postures for like, you know, each was like, 10 minutes we held a posture uh so like child's pose where your head's released on something and your arms are spread out long and your sit bones back at your heels and i think because my practice started in something so still i've always kept that focus you know i love to do gymnastics training i love to do body strength training but i think what's really important to explain is that the yin and the restorative yoga is basically an opportunity to be still and not need to do something fast-paced in order to achieve. I feel like as humans we're always goal-setting, like that's why I find that people love doing hit workouts, they love doing like intensive training and um, making their heart rate, like they feel like they haven't done anything unless their heart rate is like super up and they've sweated and I think Yin yoga and restorative is, is shapes that you hold for like 10 minutes or so and feel into certain hip pain or shoulder pain and breathe into it and breathe slowly and I feel like you can't have the yang fast paced athletic stuff without that really like I you know I feel like you create such a stiff um, rigid and controlled body which manifests a lot of anxiety if you don't have these stiller yin yeah I was like that I was like when I first moved to London and I was like 18 I'd never been to the gym I'd just done like PE at school and I started working out like intensely and eating quite like restrictively or just very controlled and I was in like good shape physically and like in terms of fitness but I was like a mess energetically and emotionally I was like super stressed stop having periods like my anxiety was really high and my body was just like tense. I felt like it was literally like there was no energy flow through it probably. And I think, yeah, discovering yoga initially for me definitely helped that. And I think that is, it's so important to do both. You can go for a run, you can go for like an intensive workout, but make time to stretch afterwards or make time to have like one of your workouts per week, just kind of releasing and stretching. And... I always like, whenever I do my initial consultation with people, my biggest question is like, 
okay, what do you do to be still? Like, what, what are your three practices per week that you do to relax your central nervous system? And they're always like, what's my central nervous system? And like, <laughs> I think a lot of people think that, like, I, I'm not a proponent of um, high-intensity te- training, but I actually am. I'm really for it. Like, I see the benefit in your heart and your muscles and your joints. Like, I think you need the strength. But on the reverse of that, if you're experiencing hyper-anxiety and stress and you're really rigid just in your life and your body, then I think there's there's an opportunity to at least delve deeper into like letting go and letting the body just be in a pose and, and, and rest in a shape. You know, we need to rest. I feel like some people think there's such a negative idea around resting and restoring, but like these are cycles of life. Like every week we should be resting and, and, and restoring and allowing our body to regenerate. Yeah, and I think it's really important to touch on that because like I know a lot of people are like a lot of people can't get into yoga or they just they'd rather go and have a workout where they feel like they've actually worked hard and they're gonna tone up or get some kind of results but and I know a lot of people like I don't need to do yoga like it's I'm not stressed I'm not emotional I don't need to be like in touch with my thoughts and they think of it as quite an emotional thing and I think actually trying to get people to understand more that it's just it's more an energetic thing and it's so good whether or not you're you need to get in touch with your emotions or you need to be less stressed or less anxious. Even if you don't feel like you need those things, your body and your energy might. And to release that and keep the energy flowing like in a way that's quite unexplicable, it's so powerful and you really feel it like instantly, I think, relaxing. I and... think that's a really good point because I think, I mean, a lot of people come to me and they're like, they find what I do so woo-woo and they find like all of the energetic stuff really woo-woo and they're like oh god like what is this like psychic thing like and I'm like it's nothing to do with that like it's really not it's just like I want you to just do this practice in the way that exactly works for you and you don't have to look at everything that's in like women's health and abide by it like 10 rituals for like better healthy living it's like I want you to create something that's so sustainable for you up until you're like 50 so that your adrenals and your stress is basically under control and it's in, it's in a place of um, thriving and, and vibrancy and I think all of these energetic practices have unfortunately become like a fashion or a fad statement in the wellness industry but they're fundamental to like our emotional and our physical health and yeah it's something that I'm so passionate about and always will always promote I think um keeping check of your energy and making sure that it's it's in the right places you know in yourself and in relation to others is is fundamental to life yeah and I think it's not necessarily something that has to be so woo-woo I think once you can understand that everything is made of energy and you can start noticing the energy of your body and just like focusing on it more it becomes so simple it's like you can you know you know when you're stressed you know when you're fearful you know when you're sad you know when you're happy like it's not hard to acknowledge that but it's more on like a a deeper level that people find it hard to yeah you don't have to have had a mum that's been in the industry or like you don't have to have grown up with it you can be in you can be a fashion photographer at the top of your career and start to incorporate Uh, kundalini or you can start to incorporate conscious connective breathing or you can go to acupuncture once every two weeks and you can see how it allows you to just have that time and that space out of this crazy mayhem of the industry you're in you know I've seen it 
work for so many people that maybe at first have been like, what the hell is this? But then realize that it's so beneficial. Mm, I remember even like six or seven years ago when I was modeling quite early on and I was doing yoga like on set <laughs> at a shoot, like in between like shots and people were like, yoga, yeah, that's like this new thing, isn't it? Like all the all the monks do it and I was just like I was just getting into it myself but it's definitely changed now like to see people doing it more in part of their like daily life and I think that's what I love about acupressure with anything that I share with people in wellness I like to give people tools because I think that makes things way more realistic and like understandable and I think that's what's so great about acupressure is that you can you can give someone a treatment but you can also tell them like this point when you're feeling like this this point when you're feeling like this and it can be so instant so it's so fascinating so I just want to end on a few questions that I ask at the end of every session um what are three things that you feel help you to kind of stay present and enjoy or trust the process of life like a ritual or three things that help you kind of manage modern life hmm. first and foremost is probably my mornings i know that people don't have much time but really making sure that like you wake up you wake up and give yourself enough time like whatever that looks like to you so you know, some people love having a bath in the morning, some people love, you know, taking time to have that hot shower, like just making sure that you give yourself time, whether you, you do have a job that means you have to leave the house first thing, just making sure that you have time when you wake up, you know, when we wake up we're still in a hazy phase, we don't want to leave the house not eating anything, and I think just really cultivating my morning time, and I know it sounds so like cliche, but it really is the most important thing to my life like whether it's I go for a morning walk I do like a little 15 minute stretch or like in yoga in breath work you know it's like the mornings are so important because it's like my time and my space um and then I guess second to that um is alone time um like full solitude and, and sometimes um that can just be a day but I think sometimes it's good to have like a week of that um, I found it really fundamental to my emotional and physical happiness is like having time for solitude and journaling and taking record of the year I've had and, and just processing everything and having time to like do things and find joy on my own and in, in myself because I, you know I massively missed that in my younger years. Now I love it, now I, it's really one of my favourite things to do, you know, whether I take a bath, go for a walk on my own, go for a trip on my own, it's one of my practices. And then thirdly, I would say when I'm with my family, I try to be really, really present. And I try to, you know, this past year has really shown me how important, like, family is. And I think, um, you know, when I'm with them, I really try to be, like, fully present. You know, whether it's family or friends, you like, switching my phone off, like, really saying, okay, I can live my family right now. The emails don't matter responding to people doesn't matter, like being fully present with my family and finding joy in that is, um, yeah, super important. And, you know, life's short, so like spend it with people that really like elate your joy and fill you with joy instead of like feeling like you've left a meeting with someone and you feel dampened and your energy's low. Like, it's super important, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's also a nice point to touch on is like 
understanding how your energy is when you're with certain people who might be kind of draining you and paying attention to that not necessarily cutting people out of your life because I know some people say you've got to like get rid of people who bring you bad vibes but it's more just like understanding it and being aware of it and and yeah again tuning into like your energy around people but I love that about staying more present yeah and I don't think you necessarily again have to move people out of your life but being aware of how like you operate your energy in relation to other people and you know if people do fill you with joy spend spend more time with them like you know like fill your life with people that just like leave you feeling full and like your cups like overflowing rather than like you know something about them just you know dampens you I think it's it's important Mm. okay number two What's your biggest lesson in life so far or like a moment that was particularly pivotal or transformational? That's a big question. Um, That is a big question. (laughs) I would say it's a hard one to answer because I've had probably like two or three that are quite pivotal. Um, You know, one of them was definitely taking like one of my really, really close friends to to A&E in New York and and that was a whole story itself, um, and a whole experience itself um, of looking after another and on a very selfless level. But I would say one of the biggest, just across a period of time and not a single event, is um, realizing that, like, even though you will meet so many people in your lifetime and fall in love with so many different people and have a partnership with so many people, you essentially, after all of them, only have yourself to come back to so I think my biggest learning throughout my whole life is you know I've been I've been, had a tendency to be super attached to, to people and in, in love like everywhere I've traveled and fallen in love with a new person I've had the tendency to be attached to that person and I think my biggest lesson has been to just um, be so so grounded in myself and, and know that I always have this to come back to and always like no one can ever replace that and I can never give more of myself to another person if I'm not giving to myself and I think yeah that's one of my biggest life lessons and continues to be. I love that I feel like that is such a like ever growing relationship the one we have with ourselves and like one that I always come back to as being so important like your self-worth the way you talk to yourself and also just the ability to show up and love others and be with others and how you act in life it all depends on how your relationship is with yourself and being okay like alone because at the end of the day you're you are here in your body with your mind and it's yours and and you leave with the same thing exactly and anyone you meet never becomes yours it's so so hard sometimes not to get attached to something or someone but I think that's definitely such an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I always say like love love so easily, but also let go so easily, you know, like those two parallels. Yeah, because there's always a reason. And I think if anyone listening is like struggling with relationship stuff or anything right now, these are such important things for me to always remember that like, let it come, let it go, you know, and, and everything is there for as an experience. It's so easy to say when you're not in it, but I think looking at relationships like more of an experience people will come to teach you something and if they don't you'll probably have taught them something and it's all this kind of like exchange okay recent discoveries so books people healers products anything like just a couple 
Ooh, um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a recommendation of a book, um, because I love it. It's called Dragon Rises, Red Bird Flies, and if you're new to Chinese medicine, um, it's like a very approachable way of like looking at the whole world of Chinese medicine. It's pretty, pretty thick, but it's a great book, um, and that's by Leon Hammer. Uh, it's one of my favorites, and I discovered it like last month. Um, and then another new discovery, I would say, probably um, an acupuncturist um, who's been around for a while, Wendy Mandy. Um, discovering her was was life changing. Um, actually, one of the breath workers who I just discovered like a few months ago, Bruce James. He recommended Wendy Mandy to me, and, and she's you know her work is so inspiring. She's like she's you know in her fifties and she's not online or anything and she just I'm just subscribed to her main mailing list and her words are just magic. Uh, she's really really she treated like Russell Brand and she, yeah she's super inspiring. And then um, thirdly I would say Zach Bush. He's um, like a doctor. Uh, he's a doctor but he's also in the spiritual realm and he talks a lot about how like you, you know he talks about the mind, life and death. Um, you know, feeling ecstasy in life and death, and he's really, really, you know, his words resonate very deeply, and, you know, he never says anything where I'm like, you know, I question that his podcasts are amazing, he does a lot with Aubrey Marcus, um, yeah, he's, um, I think he's based in California, he's, he's amazing, yeah, huge fan. I love that, I love all of those, I'm going to check them all out. Um, favourite meal at the moment, I know you talked a lot about, like, Ayurvedic food, and I really... I love, I could talk about that for ages, but favorite meal you're making at the moment? I actually don't eat that much Ayurvedic food apart from dal. Just warm stuff. Just warm <laughs> stuff. Like I love Japanese food is probably my absolute favorite. Like my classic meal at the moment is probably like finely cutting collard greens, um, sauteing them in like coconut oil or ghee. And then I'll do like um, wakami noodles with um, like shiitake mushrooms and then maybe like a fillet of salmon or tuna and then like a tahini dressing. Um, I love tahini, I use tahini in everything. I definitely love Persian food too. So, but a big like noodle, mushroom, like lots of greens, like a nice bowl that's warming with ginger. Mm, that sounds so good. I love Japanese food as well, but that sounds so good for like this kind of season as well. And you, you'd studied or you worked a lot with herbalism, didn't you? Mm, yeah, it was a huge yeah. part of my life. From like 17 to 22, I was in like, I was in kitchens and then also studied herbalism when I was in California. And so do you incorporate a lot of herbs into your... Yeah, I do sometimes, life? definitely. Like, I think if someone needs herbs or I feel that it would be a great addition, I'll recommend something to them, like a mushroom or a, a blend. I'm definitely super um, knowledgeable on it and I love, yeah, I love to just, you know, feed my clients with the information that they, they can go away with because um, it's beneficial mm. alongside all the practices that I do. But yeah, just myself, I love herbs. I think they're great. Yeah, it's more to use them for specific reasons or ailments, isn't it? Or like, yeah, it's not like throwing them into every meal, but that's a whole other topic. We can talk about that another time. <laughs> okay, final question three questions we should be asking ourselves regularly on a day-to-day -day basis to keep ourselves feeling grounded or centered or like trusting the process of life that's a great one um 
Well, a few that I like to ask myself and I think is beneficial for other people is um, are you having honest conversations with yourself and others? Um, so that can be like the hard conversations, the like truthful ones, like are you making sure that you're like, you know, having the really difficult conversations as well as the ones that are just like, oh yeah, this is easy, like I can just ask how you are and everything's fine. Like just making sure that like the ones you love, you're having like the more difficult conversations. And, and then I guess the other question that leads on from that is like, am I fulfilling like my emotional needs and my physical needs? And am I asking, you know, on a daily basis for them to be fulfilled? I think is a really important one. Like, am I giving myself my emotional and physical needs? But am I also asking for them from someone else? Because I think sometimes we, we go through life and, you know, we see a therapist or we see an acupuncturist or we see our friends and sometimes we never ask those people for what we need. It's always like this listening and it's always like um, this reflection. But I think it's, it's great to ask and to be really truthful about what you need um, and you have a lot of freedom from, from that. And then the third question is probably you know what have I done today that brings me joy and ease like what have I done something that makes me feel light or what could I do in this moment to make me feel light and at ease and you know full of joy really like how can I lead with more more grace I think is a really good question Mm, that's such a nice one yeah because I think we all really sacrifice doing things we enjoy because we feel guilty to do them or we haven't got enough time to do things as it is. And that's definitely one of the first things that gets dropped. So that's such a nice one. Taking space and taking time for yourself definitely, I think, makes you more productive in the long run and able to show up more. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me for like a whole hour. It's been so nice. Yeah, we got through a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and thank you also for the recommendations. I'm going to put them in the show notes. And I also can't wait to come and try your therapies next time. Absolutely. I know you're so into all of your um, holistic therapies and you have, you know, loads of teachers that you all practices that you you learn under that you should definitely come to my studio I'd love for you to experience the needles yeah I really can't wait it's like the first place I'll be when I come back well thank you again and have a really great afternoon yeah you too big kisses I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Process. I'm feeling incredibly chilled after speaking with Georgie and just waiting until I can plan a visit to her studio when I'm back in London. If you're based in London, definitely check her out. Make a visit. She's doing private home visits at the moment due to COVID, but you can also, of course, go and visit the studio when she opens again. And I'll leave all of her information in the show notes so you can find her on Instagram and you can find her website too. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends or family you think might enjoy it or benefit from it in some way. I'm also so excited as Georgie is sharing a guided episode with us on how you can practice acupressure on yourself. So stay tuned for her guided episode coming soon. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you guys again soon.